Hello, Awaken Nation. Hello, brothers and sisters. Today, our topic. I'm very excited. We're talking about Taylor Swift and her new album, Folklore. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, where we take a look at art from pop culture and uncover the true, good, and beautiful elements found therein. Let's get started. So yes, I've been waiting to talk about this album with people for a while. Uh, it's Taylor Swift's new album. It's been number one for a while. It's made a huge splash. It's like the perfect quarantine record. There's so much I have to say about it. And so uh, to, to talk about it, I was thinking, who do I invite to talk about this album? And I was like, who's the biggest Taylor Swift fan I know? And I thought, and I thought, and I realized it's me. And... <laughs> I was like, so I need someone. There's probably some of my students, uh, former students that I've had who are bigger Taylor Swift fans, but, but I, I wanted somebody who could talk a little more theologically. And um, I was, so I realized I needed not a rabid Taylor Swift fan. I needed someone who was kind of a moderate Taylor Swift fans. And, and, and for some reason, Sister Liz Schoberg, Daughters of Charity, you came to mind. The Holy Spirit just put your name in my head and I reached out to you and you were excited about it. So here we are. Sister Liz, welcome. Tell the people about yourself. Thank you. It really is an honor to be here and to be invited. I love music. I'm a music fan. And hopefully I can make the Swifties proud uh, <laughs> by talking a little bit about our, our friend Tay-Tay. But um, yeah, uh, again, Sister Liz, and I'm on mission down in Harlingen, Texas, uh, working with immigrant communities down here as a Ooh. social worker. And yeah, tell us about that. It's um, it's tough, especially with this pandemic time. There's a lot of stress, a lot of um, folks who already had quite uh, interesting histories and traumas that they've been through, um, and even kids who struggle with the language or with their homework. And so we we try to do the best we can to to help them out. And you know, for me as a counselor, to be a listening ear for them and hopefully give them some tools where they can. Uh, feel better about where they are in life and and set those goals um, for the future. And wow. so that's, uh, you know, we used to talk at CYFM about mi ministry of presence. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of being present to people and providing a safe space for them where they can uh, have someone that they can trust and hopefully get some good advice moving forward in their lives. Yeah, I want, I'm glad you mentioned CYFM. I wanted to, to shout out to them. Capuchin Youth and Family Ministries in Garrison, New York. That's where Sister Liz and I met uh, before you were a sister. You were just Liz. Yes. And uh, <laughs> that was, it's a Cap Corps, Capuchin Volunteer Corps uh, run ministry where they run a retreat center and they do confirmation retreats and overnight retreats. And it's a beautiful, awesome ministry in the lower Hudson Valley in New York State. And uh, you were there the year before me. With one yes. of my best friends, Ed Rogers, who's now a now a psychologist down in Texas, um, and then I got to I, I went to visit and decided I was going to do it the year afterwards. So that's how we got to know. We got to do some music together, um, yes. and then we just we just kind of stayed in touch through the years. So uh, it's good to it's good to been sit down great. And chat and I'm glad to talk about Taylor Swift and and God and faith and all that good stuff. Amen. It's great. Tell me tell me a little bit about the Daughters of Charity. I don't I don't know a whole lot about them. So yeah, uh, Daughters of Charity of St. Vincent de Paul, uh, we take a fourth vow to the source of the poor. And so whatever uh, ministry we're in, that's our real focus and lens. And so we have teachers and social workers, people in healthcare ministry, parish work, um, working with refugees and immigrants. And so basically wherever there are people who are in need, that's where we're supposed to be. 
And, wow. you know, we make that a real priority for us. And um, I'm just, I don't know, I can't, I can't tell people enough how, how happy I am to be in this life and mm. to be following the Lord's plan. Um, it's not easy, but it's a hundred percent worth it. Amen. I tell people the same thing about marriage and kids. <laughs> it's not easy, mm-hmm. but it's a hundred percent worth it. Um, amazing. Um, and what was the other thing I was going to ask? I was going to ask, um, I don't remember, but if I remember, we'll come back to it. Let's dive in to talk about Taylor. Let's a different look for her on this album. Let's throw that picture up there. Um, she's not big glitz in glam. You don't see her in these little skimpy dresses and high heels and perfectly done hair. Well, I'm sure this is perfectly done and very well coiffed, but it's kind of like purposefully messy. It's done in kind of an old style. She's kind of wearing this mid-century vintage style. Just the, the, there's, there's a whole tableau to this album in the, from the vocabulary to the photography to the, the way it was produced and instrumentation. It's, it's meant to take us back. It's meant to, to take us away from the huge sparkle unicorns uh, you know, Super Bowl halftime show, Taylor, to sitting in your living room with a guitar, Taylor. So a little bit about this album. This is her eighth album. It's been number one for several weeks, and it comes out less than a year after her previous album called Lover, um, which was I thought was a great album. It was it was my my second favorite Taylor album ever after Red. Um, she wrote and recorded this all during quarantine. Um, and she was working with a, a few producers. She was working with Jack Antonoff from the band Fun, who's also worked with Sarah Bareilles and Lord and Lana Del Rey and a, a million other people in his own band, The Bleachers. I'm a big fan of him. Um, and they won the Grammy together for 1989, which was her album a few albums ago um, for album of the year. But then she was also working um, with a guy from the indie band The National, Andrew Dressner, I think is his name. I might get that wrong. And also um, with uh, Bon Iver, uh, who's famous indie artist, um, whose real name escapes me, but he goes by Bon Iver. So anyway, so there's three different producers she's working with on this album. She does a lot of co-writing. Um, so if you don't know much about Taylor Swift, she signed a publishing deal in Nashville at the age of 14. So that's where you're signed as a writer, a songwriter. And then she got a record deal at 15. Uh, her eponymous album, Taylor Swift came out in tw- in two thousand. So uh, 2006 is when that album came out. It was the longest charting album of the 2000s. She's had 10 Grammys, including two albums of the year for Fearless and for 1989. Um, she's done just about everything you can do in music. She's done huge epic stadium tours with some of the biggest grossing tours of all time. I know some of my friends went to, to see one of her tours and each person got like a light up wristband and it would like vibrate and light up different colors. So the whole crowd was like painted with different pictures with on her wrist. So done epic stuff like this. And now she goes to this folklore. So first what I want to do, I want to talk about the music of the album and what we love musically. And we can talk about what we don't love musically as well, just the craft of the album. And then I want to get into spirituality and the themes. So, um, I want to, uh, I'll, I'll throw it to you first, sister and Liz musically. Uh, what, what do you like on here? Just give me something. Um, I would say it has a feel, the whole album has, has a feel to it. It's one of those um, sets of songs for me that you have to be in a mood for. Mm. It's not like, um, oh, I'm going to find this is the upbeat one I really love and I can dance to, and then I'll make a playlist with some of her other upbeat ones. Um, or I, I, I really like the mellow pieces. And so, you know, there's something for everyone, so to speak, 
on on a given album um but on this i feel like this is something you know i'm chilling if it's the winter i'm sitting by the fireplace or if it's the summer i'm at the beach just kind of relaxed this is an album that's just super mellow very um yeah, you you have to kind of be in a little bit of a a, a chill mood for mm-hmm. it, I would say. Yeah, I would I would um, agree with that. It makes me want to listen to it as an album, which doesn't happen much anymore. You know, there 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 and there aren't for me. There's not a lot of songs that are like, oh, that's a single. Like that's and that song's a single. Like that's going to be big on the radio. It's it's kind of like you listen to it as a piece so other albums like that for me um i was a 90s kid i grew up in the 90s and so like bef- yeah. dave matthews before these crowded streets counting crows august and everything after like you can listen to them as uh as an album and this this takes me there it feels that way it's very it feels very cohesive so and i'm a i'm a lover of acoustic guitar and piano the sort of synth and mm-hmm. you know a little bit of the electronics but not overdone um, yeah. I really like that piece of it because if you, if you're a mellow personality, if you like the sort of groove, soft groove, that's, this is it for you. Yeah. It's very, and it's very subtle. Like there's not big bombastic drums and 808s. It's just, you know, sometimes there's live drums and it sounds like they're playing with brushes there. There's, yeah. um, it's very, very subtle. Lots of like little snaps and claps and it's not like a driving beat was just like, it's more like, it's, it's more like, you know, something it's, it's a beat that's over eight measures or over eight beats or over 16 beats instead of just snapping on the two and the four. It's, they're a little more complex, a little more subtle. The, the electric guitars are real clean and airy. There's not a lot of distortion. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's beautiful. Um, it, I, uh, what, what are some songs that you, that you like? Like if I, if you, if I ask you, what are, what are like your favorite songs? Just tell me, tell me one that you love. So for me, I really thought about exile a lot. Mm. Um, as someone who's in the sort of mental health world and relationally speaking, mm. this, this was a very interesting song because what, and you could probably speak to this more as a married person it's like when you have the same fight over and over again or Mm -hmm. something little, it's not about that little thing. It's about whatever that argument you've been having forever. Mm -hmm. And so the, the one that I thought a lot about as far as uh, within that is the line, you know, I think I've seen this film before and I didn't like the ending. Um, That really stuck with me because Mm -hmm. that's not just uh, talking about one relationship that can be talking about these vicious cycles and behavioral patterns where you just Mm -hmm. like, I know where this is going to lead and should we just skip to that? Or, you know, is there some way that we can back that up? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the, that's the song with Bon Iver. Justin Vernon is the guy's Mm -hmm. name. I knew it was, he was in there somewhere. Um, and everything is very low. Like he, I was singing along with it in the car and like, I can't even sing that low. It's just so just, I'm like, Oh my goodness. And then he flips into his falsetto. And this song I I didn't like for the first few times I listened to it, but then it gets to that bridge where they're like harmonizing and the melodies are weaving in and out and it just kind of breaks free. And it's really beautiful. Um, and on this album, there's so many bridges and second choruses where that happens, where the instrumentation changes. She starts to sing in a different octave or she adds a harmony or she just adds a new rhythm. Um, and I, I was listening to somebody talk about this album and they said that 
you know, Taylor Swift is maybe one of the best bridge writers we've ever had. And when I think about that in this album, like so many of the songs, I'm just kind of waiting for the bridge. I'm waiting for the bridge. And then it's just beautiful, just like breath where the song just, just opens up in this wonderful way. Uh, and this song especially is like that. Um, and I kind of want to skip through the first minute or two, but I don't because it's, it's, if you do that, you kind of miss it, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not a and bony. Think, Sorry, go ahead. You know, t- uh, Taylor is not the best singer of all time. Mm-hmm. She's not a huge voice. She's not, you know, Mariah Carey or uh, Whitney Houston or mm-hmm. any of, any of those pipes. Um, but her talent is the songwriting and how prolific she is at, mm-hmm these lyrics i mean the woman's put out how many albums and she writes nearly every song Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's it's very impressive yeah and they're they're long albums like the last the last album had like 14 songs this one has like 16 and there is less than a year ago she put the last album out like she she's very prolific and and you can tell she comes from a country background because of that storytelling and and you're right about her voice she's not got the the best voice um, I think it's gotten better over time. I think she's gotten training and she's worked on that, but she knows how to use it. You know, it's like someone, it's like a fighter with a knife. Like it's not a big knife, but if they know what they're doing with that knife and she knows how to get that emotion out of her songs to make it sound like she's just, she's super happy and gleeful, or she just like can barely get the words out. Cause she's just so racked by what's going inside. I, I wore my heart with the, my shirt with a burning heart on it today. Cause I figured it was uh fitting for Taylor Swift. Because her passion and, and, definitely you know, comes through. If you're if you're uh, a fan, or if even you're tangentially, you know, interested, or you've heard her songs, everybody's heard some of her songs yeah. at this point in history. Um, I think we come from the time of, you know, teardrops on my guitar and mm-hmm. mean, and those sort of early um, Taylor Swift songs when she was very much in a country mm-hmm. vein. And this is this is a, a different look from that. It's a different look from the pop. I when I first listened to it, I thought, when is the the beat gonna drop? Mm-hmm. Like I'm waiting for yeah. some like uh-huh. punch for some like epic breakup or you know independent women kind mm-hmm. of song. Yeah. And it wasn't there at all. But that is not necessarily a bad thing. No, and I think I think this is a step up in her songwriting. She's always been a great storyteller, but now she, it's not just it's not all autobiographical. Like, and it, it's more it's more complex and it's more mysterious. And she's writing from different people's point of views. Like so, so often with Taylor Swift songs, you know exactly what they're about. They're transparent. Like she dated and broke up with John Mayer, and then wrote a song called "Dear John." Like they're yeah. you know exactly <laughs> what they're about. And on this album, it's not like that. It's, it's very different. And you're listening to me again and say, what, what is this about? And it's, it's, it's got layers to it. It's like an onion. It's, it's a much more complex um, level of songwriting. I feel like the, the songwriting skill has just gone. She's, she's taken it up a level. So, yeah. yeah. Um, one thing that this made me, I keep mentioning the 90s. This made me, this sounds like Lilith Fair to me. This sounds like Lisa Loeb. This sounds like the Cranberries. I actually went back and listened to some Cranberries. And if you listen to like Linger and Dreams, this, so much on this album sounds like that. Like if you listen to the beginning of Mirrorball from this album and then listen to the beginning of Linger by the Cranberries, it's like this, this could have been made at the same time. And just, um, yeah, I, I hear a lot of Lisa Loeb. I hear a lot of the Cranberries in here. And, and that just makes my little 90s kid heart just so... So happy. Like she could have been up there with Sarah McLaughlin just singing. Very stripped 
down, very, you know, mm-hmm. back back to basics. Yeah. And there's profanity in this album, which Taylor has not really used much before. She's used a little bit. But again, that makes me think of like Sarah McLaughlin, you know, who would have this beautiful, sweet little voice and then drop an F-bomb in there. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. That, spoiler alert for for people with sensitive ears. There's, yeah, there's, there's a few little uh, little ones in there. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. There is. Uh, anything else about the um, the music before we get into the uh, before we get into the the spirituality of it? No, let's let's jump into the yeah. to the spirit. Yeah, let's jump into it. So, um, what spiritually spoke to you here? What, what, what in here is, is a, is a theme Wait, Where do you, where do you see God in this? I think, I think for me, it's, it's thematic. It's not necessarily okay in the, in the exact storytelling mm-hmm. or, um, you know, I think when you look at a song like, um, illicit affairs, for example, oh, that song wrecks um, me. Oh my gosh. It's kind of intense and it's, the story is about, you know, someone who's having this affair and, and trying to hide it and, and all of that. But when you look at it from a choices perspective and from a faith perspective, what's happening? The person is living two lives. Mm. The person is acting one way and then they're making choices that don't align with, with who they are supposed to be yeah. and the repercussions mm-hmm. of that you're seeing. And mm. so you know, when I, when I think of, okay, how does this speak to a sister? Illicit affairs. That's kind of odd to be talking yeah. about uh-huh. that. But, you know, like when, when we sin, when we stray from, from the life that, that we're supposed to be living, that's where you start to see, okay, it might seem all right at first, or maybe there's not the big consequences, mm-hmm. but you end up having to lie or you yeah. end up um, making these choices where it seems like it's fun at first or it's, it's a pleasurable experience, for example, mm-hmm. but it doesn't end up that way. And yeah. I think that's it, where you, you say, okay, the, the, the cream rises to the top or the truth comes out in the end, whatever mm-hmm. metaphor that, that you might use with it. I think for us as people of faith, well, that's a really interesting thing to think about in regard to our spiritual life and to our behaviors every day. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Nick, can we throw the, uh, the lyrics up there? So illicit affairs, um, tell yourself you can always stop. What started in beautiful rooms ends with meetings and parking lots. And it just, it makes me think of Eve in the garden, like, oh, this, mm-hmm. this fruit is good for eating. And then it ends with like death and pain and exile. And it, you know, like, it, it show in that there's a line in the chorus. Um, it show they show their truth one single time, but they lie and they lie and they lie a million little times. And how often is that sin is that temptation? It's like, ah, here's something good, but they lie a million times. And I, I think it, it, what you said, you know, it, it's about on the surface, it's about, you know, an illicit romantic affair. And there's, there's a lot of love triangle stuff going on on, on this album, but sure. I think you're right. It applies to, there's, there's this fake person that I'm being, then I'm lying to people about it. And then there's this true self. And that doesn't just apply to sex. Like there are people who have illicit affairs when it comes to how much they work. There's um, mm-hmm. people who have illicit affairs when it, it, it comes to, um, you know, like if you think of Thomas Aquinas and, and the, the four substitutes for God, like, you know, wealth, 
power, pleasure, uh, honor. Like there's people who have illicit affairs with fame and like wanting people to like them. There's people who have illicit affairs with control and power and trying to control everything that happens around them. Um, you know, like this, you could, you could apply this to somebody struggling with, with pornography. You could apply this with someone struggling with, with any slavery to a sin, any slavery to addiction It shows its truth one single time, but it lies and it lies and it dies and it dies a million little times. Um, and I, I think Taylor does such a good job of showing the pain that comes from lust. And uh, there was a song on the last album called Cruel Summer, which is, is one of my favorite al- the songs on that album. And it, it, it's very thematically similar to this. Um, and one of the lines in that song, it says, I love you. Isn't that the worst thing you've ever heard? And then it says, he looks up grinning like a devil. And it's like this idea that I've given myself to this thing and I love this thing. And it's it's not real. It's got total hold of me. And I think it's such a good cautionary tale. I've actually, I've used cruel summer in class with students to talk about um, lust and, and bad relationships. And I think this song would work just as well. Um, and I listen to this and it wrecks me because, you know, I think we all have our own illicit affairs and there's things that makes me think of that. Like, yes, I know what that feels like. And I know people that have lived this story and it just, it's so true. It's so true. And it's so powerful. So, yeah. And not, not to get too, too much into like devil talk, but Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's a strategy of the evil one. If you can't get a person with something that's directly sinful and evil, Mm -hmm. then you, you know, you present something that seems to be good or that might actually be good, like Mm -hmm. work and overwork, Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, or, Mm fame, which opens some doors that, that I can evangelize, for example, Mm. or something like that. But then it becomes a God in the end. And it sort of takes the place of what's supposed to be an eternal and lasting um, relationship. And Mm. that's where, you know, when you, when you think of some of the others, like invisible string, that's what happens when we, you know, for example, if we give ourselves to someone else before we're married, like Mm -hmm. there is, I mean, it, there's an invisible string there yeah. and that's, you know, something we, he, we heal from, but, but also we have to think about what's going on in our interior life because there's invisible strings to a whole lot of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. what am I, what am I filling my spirit with? What, what is, is capturing my attention and pulling me? Um, is that God? Because yeah, that would be great. Like God is that invisible string. And, and I don't want to re- release that relationship. Um, but maybe there are some other things that are pulling at me as well. And I really liked that concept. You know, when I look at this album and say like, well, how come Taylor just never gets to like the eternal love, like get mm-hmm. past all this earthly love. Would you yeah. just get to what's lasting and eternal? But I think what's there is those concepts, those themes, um, those words like this is me trying mm-hmm. you know with me and god i screw it up and if there's an issue in the relationship it's me you know what yeah. i'm saying mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. god's perfect so if there's something wrong with with my faith it's probably me mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i keep mm-hmm. coming back and knocking on the door and and i say look this is this is me trying yeah yeah. And I, I think there's a few places where she kind of starts to hint that there's, there's something beyond that. And I, I want to I get back to that. Um, we were talking about the invisible string that connects uh, people 
Um, I, I kind of, that song's really interesting because it made me think almost like of, of Providence and that there, you know, wasn't it pretty to think there was this invisible string tying, tying you to me that, that through all these terrible things, I think she says something about, uh, I got heaven, but I had to go through hell to get it. Like I had to go through all these bad relationships, but isn't it pretty to think that all along before I got to you, the one I want to marry and like have, have children with and, and that sort of thing that something was guiding me and mm-hmm. um, to you. And I think, I think that there is something in there about the, the truth of God's providence that God lets us make mistakes and we are responsible for our actions. And yes, there are consequences, but God's still looking out for us. And like his plan is bigger than me making mistakes, me having a bad relationship here and there that God can still, there's still this invisible string, like tying us to what he's calling us to. And he's calling us and he's calling us. Um, there, you, you mentioned before kind of the invisible string. You, you interpret it as a different way that there's like this, this tie that you make when you're, when you're being too intimate with someone in a relationship that can't handle that. The where I saw that, well, one, in illicit affairs, uh, but two, yeah. in Cardigan, she uses all these images of like a tattoo, of a blood stain, of like these, the cigarette smoke, the smell of cigarette smoke that like you can't get out. So she uses mm-hmm. a lot of those sorts of, of lines in Cardigan. Um, scars so these these things that leave a mark on you and don't and don't leave so anyway that's really interesting can we talk about um what i wanted to go to next was did what do you think of the song peace oh you'll have to pull up the lyrics because that that one that's the one that starts with it's got like this real ethereal beat and then it's got this pretty bass part like that's real melodic um would it be enough if I could never give you peace? And mm. uh, I think it's it's kind of about her relationship, or it's about a relationship, and um, basically saying like, what if you know if you're with me, life is always kind of going to be crazy, and is that okay? Are you okay with this life with me? Yeah. Um, as long as danger is near and it's just around the corner, because it lives in me. And no, I could never give you peace. I'm a fire and I'll keep your brittle heart warm. Um, would it be enough if I could never give you peace? Like, is it okay if this relationship, like if I'm, if I'm crazy and things are always going to be crazy around me, like, is that, is that okay with you? Like, is our life together? Is it, is it enough? And um, I think that's a complexity of relationship that she hasn't really talked about much. And I just, um, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before when you were talking about your work with the sisters that it's hard and it's not easy, but you know, it's what God's called you to. And I feel this, the same thing in, in, in marriage and in, in family life. So do you have any thoughts on that about like, how do you know the difference between how do, how do you have peace amidst doing, how do you have peace amidst challenge when you know God's called you to this, but it's mm. really freaking hard. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And it, it makes me think of um, the quote, I'm not okay, you're not okay, and that's okay. Oh, <laughs> um, you know, like, because everyone's like, oh, my, I'm okay, you're okay. No, I'm not okay, you're not okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's okay. It's okay. Um, I think, you know, when, when we're young, we have this idealized uh, vision in mind. And maybe uh, you could speak to this more as, as getting married to a a person, you know, 
you think it's going to be one way. You think it's going to be perfect. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to have this life together and everything's going to fall into place. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just not true. Yeah. It's not life. And life is hard and it's work and it's sacrifice and it's peace. Mm. Because Preach, peace is, it's not, <laughs> it's not the absence of difficulty. Ooh. I think that's what we think of like, oh, love and mm. peace and fulfillment. Mm. Like that's, that can't exist with suffering and sacrifice. Mm. But those things can be integrated. Yeah. Those things can exist at the same time. And so we can take something like a relationship that's not perfect, um, a life that I live in community, which is definitely not perfect. Mm-hmm. And you can say, yeah, I can have a, a depth and a, a peace and fulfillment within those scenarios. It's not that everything around me should be at peace. It should should be that I'm at peace mm. and everything around me is insane. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. And even if things around you aren't insane, you can still be restless within. In fact, some people go after peace by trying to avoid conflict when really that doesn't provide you with peace. Um, I think of St. Teresa of Avila is one of my, my favorite saints. I named my daughter Avila after St. Teresa of Avila. And she has this idea of the interior castle where you, you know, through prayer, you discover these rooms inside your heart and you develop this and build this interior castle. What's a castle? Well, one, it's, it's a place that defends you, but two, it's a place where the king lives, right? So the king lives in, in your heart and then you have this defense and this inner peace for when things are going crazy out there. Now you have this defense against that, that craziness and in conflict of the world. Um, and it allows you to, to bring peace, bring Christ's peace to the world, not just check out and avoid. So um, yeah, yeah, I love that. And I think in a world where it's sort of increasingly become black and white, good and bad, right mm-hmm. and wrong, you know, there's so much, there's so much gray area. And if we're whole and we're integrated, then we can uh, come up against things that are confusing or relationships that are messy with a certain amount of integrity and um, faith and fortitude, Mm -hmm. because we know that, that God lives in us, Mm -hmm. you know, just like you were saying, Mm -hmm. we're the castle and the King lives here. Yes. Um, it's, it's not easy. And I think it's, it's more layered than, than probably like going back to, to Taylor, like the album is gray mm-hmm. and it's got these complexities where, you know, she's looking back, um, like in August, she's saying, you were never mine. Mm. You were never mine to begin with. And yeah. you're looking back with that wisdom of time and seeing that, that, things are ethereal, things are passing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as Christians, as as Catholics, we can say, we know the things that are not passing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our souls are not passing. No. Mm -mm. The -mm. Lord is not passing. Yeah. And I think, I I think so often, you know, I've, I've been a Christian for a long time. I've been riding the Jesus train for a long time since I was, I was in high school. And, but yet I feel like, even though Jesus is my God, a lot of times I don't treat him like my God. I, I treat uh, other people liking me as my God, especially pretty girls. Man, if pretty girls like me, whew, I feel great about that. And it's, it's a false God. It, it's a false God. And I, I feel like that, so much of the restlessness on this album 
that you feel from Taylor and, and, and struggling in relationships. Like maybe that's why I associate with it so much is because I, I feel like that is part of my story is I've tried to find that peace in so many of these relationships. Um, even though I know that there's something better, even though I, I, I pray and, you know, I adore the Lord in the Eucharist and I, I, I have a, a greater purpose for my life and in, um, you know, sharing, sharing the gospel and the corporal and spiritual works of mercy with those in need. Like my, I feel like my temptation in my, in the core of my heart is always, well, I want people to like me. I want people to like me. Mm-hmm. I want people to mm-hmm. like me. And so I think, I think that's why I associate with a, with kind of a sad album like this because she's she's wrestling with that too. Can we can we go to Mirrorball for a second? Mm, this is my perfect segue. To Mirrorball. Th- this is my favorite song on the album. And um, tell me, do you have thoughts about Mirrorball? Um, I think it it really it could be uh, interpreted as her her understanding of her own fame. Mm-hmm. You know and. And what we what we put out to people, what we want from people, or what we would hope to get from people, and that's where, gosh, you can get into that trouble of what am what am I living for? Am I living so that other people will like me? Is am I living? You know, my mine is always I want to achieve something. I want to be successful. I don't want to fail. Mm. You know, there everybody has those shadow things those struggles um and when you find out what that is it's that's the first step in figuring out okay where do i go from here mm. and i think this is kind of showing where she is not yeah. i don't know if it says as much about where she could go from here mm-hmm. but um there's some really interesting images in this song yeah i got the lyrics up it says i want you to know i'm a mirror ball i'll show you every version of yourself tonight I'll get you out on the floor shimmering and beautiful. And when I break, it's in a million pieces. I think of her up on stage in front of a bunch of people and she's singing these different songs and like showing people different parts of themselves, just like she's reflecting a, a mirror. But then in, in other parts, she says, I'm a mirror ball. I can change everything about me to fit in. And you think of her going through different musical types on different albums she's trying to, to get people to like her. She's trying to win that Grammy. She's, she's, she's trying to, to do that stuff to just get, um, get that attention. Um, drunk as they watch my shattered edges glisten. So all these people are at the concert having fun and they're watching me and these songs, these are my shattered edges and they're, they're watching it. How, how, how pretty it is when you take that suffering and package it up in a nicely produced song and then put it on a, in a, in a, you know, multi-million dollar production, it looks so pretty and then people can appreciate it. Um, but to get that, I have to shatter, I have to like shatter myself and go through these experiences and then process it and put it into a song. And then I'm up on stage singing my broken heart to you. It's just, uh, it's like so sad and beautiful at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. The, the experience of a public person, I mean, that really is one of the things that, you know, I really do pray for. Taylor Swift mm-hmm. and for some of these other famous people, because yeah. that's exactly what's happening. You're, you're allowing people the intimacy without the other things that typically come mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. Um, you put yourself out there. People think they know you, people want to come up to you and tell you their life story. You know, you have people breaking down into tears and crying in yeah. front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
people you don't even know. Yeah. Passing out. I mean, yeah, that's, it's, it's an unnatural experience. I went, I went to a, I went to a Dave Matthews show with a friend in high school. I won't say who it is, but when he started playing crash into me, she peed herself like there (laughs) at the concert. And, uh, and from then on, whenever we, we always traded music back and forth and whenever we would make each other like little mixtapes or mix CDs, it was like songs to make you pee volume one songs to make you pee volume two. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and that's, that's where you, you get into the, the idea of how do I, how do I be a public person hmm. and what do I do with all that stuff? Um, where's my support system? that can help me navigate those waters. That's for us. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, confession, we have spiritual direction, yeah. you know, we have our life and community with people. We can say, look, I'm struggling with this, or yeah. we went through this today. And, you know, as a sister, people make all kinds of assumptions about <laughs> us and, yeah. you know, and some for the good and maybe some for the, you know, the bad because they got hit with a ruler by a nun at some point in their yeah. life. You know, it, it's kind of interesting, but you don't you know, hit pe- you don't hit people with rulers. <laughs> I promise you, I've not done that. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> um, I want to look I at hit the- you with some mad beats. Oh, nice! I want to hear that. Truth bombs. Yeah. Um, let's go to uh, the chorus of Mirrorball. I think this is really interesting. She says, "Hush, when no one is around, my dear, you'll still find me." Well, I added that word. You'll find me on my tallest tiptoes, spinning in my highest heels, love shining just for you. I know they said the end is near. I'm still on my tallest tiptoes spinning in my highest heels lifts shining just for you. And this is my interpretation. Tell me what you think of this, but this is, there's a lot of imagery about shutting things down. It's like when they called off the circus and they sent everybody home, like I'm thinking this is her in quarantine and her, her lover tour just got canceled and they shut down the circus and they sent everybody home and here I still am in my bedroom grinding out songs because I'm trying to shine for you out there. I'm still spinning on my tallest tiptoes and my highest heels, cranking this stuff out because I'm a, I'm a mirror ball. That's what I am. That's how I've defined myself. Um, and how often do we spend our time in silence, daydreaming, obsessing about things that aren't really going to bring us peace? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm still on that trapeze. I'm still trying everything to keep you looking at me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's the, the classic gift shadow piece, you know, the Mm. double edged sword, because here's a person who's, who really has a gift. I mean, it really is. This is a God given gift. She has, she's a talent. Um, She's prolific in her writing. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it comes at, at a price and there's some, certainly some downsides. I mean, when you think about going from the huge stage with thousands of people to, I got nothing now I'm in my room and I'm mm-hmm. still trying. I'm still, because what else would she do? Mm-hmm. Like it's in her. That's, that's something that's uh, intrinsic to her is mm-hmm. this sharing her life and creating this music. And so, you know, good for her. Go mm-hmm. for it, girl, you know, mm-hmm. enjoy. Um, but yeah, the price is if you're not, if you're not integrated, if you're not a whole person, a W H O L E, um, then you can get into those traps of I'm doing it because I need that yeah. from people. Um, she says here, I've never been a natural. All I do is try, try, try. 
And th that idea of trying is such a big thing on this album. This is like, I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying. And I've, I, I heard, so Jack Antonoff, who's one of her longtime producers, um, I heard one time say about her in an interview, there's nobody who's as good and works as hard as Taylor Swift. He says, there's performers out there who are as good or better than her, but nobody who's as good as her works as hard as her. And that's why she's successful. And like we said before, like that's not always good that you're, you're like grinding, you know, that she's, that she's nonstop. Like she's there, there's, there's a restlessness there. Um, and I, and I associate with that. I totally associate with that, that restlessness. It's just like, you're trying, you're trying, you're trying. Um, I, this line in here, she says, I'm still a believer, but I don't know why. What do you make of that? Still a believer, but I don't know why that just like struck me as like, Ooh, I got to listen to that again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, it's, it seems to me that there's, there's a draw and there's a pull within her to, to do what it is she's doing. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe, maybe there isn't, um, yeah, there's, there's the depth is not quite there. I think she's getting there. You mm -hmm. can, you can see it on this album because it's, you know, it's not just girl power or mm -hmm. breakup songs yeah. or, you know, we're never getting back together, you know, for <laughs> you, sir. Um, she's, <laughs> she's looking back with some, some wisdom, I mm -hmm. would say. Yeah. And the question is, and you know, Simon Sinek, it's the why mm -hmm. it's not just the what, because we know that she's talented yeah. and all of us have various talents that, that come natural to us or that mm -hmm. we build on with our hard work. Yeah. But the why has to be there and we have to wrestle with the why because um, there's, there's a, what I would call a false self, right? The yeah. ego of mm -hmm. wanting certain things because it feeds uh, in something in me that's not complete. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the ideal is to get to the, the why of who am I as a person and okay, I may have these certain inclinations or these certain needs, um, but let me purify those. Let me look at that. Yeah. And I think mm -hmm. that's, that's the gift of, of this album because I, I think you can, and I've prayed with these different parts, you mm. know, of this is me trying and, you know, the vicious cycle of I've, I think I've seen this film before and I don't like the ending, yeah. you know, uh -huh. these are different concepts that you can bring before the Lord and just say, look, this is, I'm a complete mess. Mm. And, you know, I need that, that why, that foundation, that depth, um, yeah. and the wisdom that comes from these different experiences. You can do Lexi Divina with some of this. <laughs> You know, it's like, a, weird? it's like a lament That's almost weird, that you that find amazing. in the songs. Yeah. Um, I feel like so many people, so many of my students and teens that I've, I've worked with, they do believe in God, but they don't know why. And they, they believe in a something out there. And like, they talk about like the universe blessed me with this, or I feel so blessed and, or I'm so thankful. Like, well, who are you thankful to? Like there's, there's this understanding that there's something, but they're not sure what the other place I see that poke through here is in the last song. It's called hoax. And she's talking about um, something like your faithless love is the only hoax I believe in. And um, it talks, there's a lot of religious language in it about your kingdom, my, my kingdom come. And uh, it's right, uh, hoax, here it is. Um, I stood on the cliffside screaming, give me a reason. Your faithless love's the only hoax I believe in. 
Um, and uh, yeah, that, that idea that just she's, she's standing on the cliffside screaming, give me a reason. Like who hasn't done that? Well, I mean, not literally on a cliffside, but um, who hasn't shouted to the universe or shouted to God or to, to no one in particular, maybe you don't know who, give me a reason. Um, and uh, I just, I see her getting to that point where she's, she's, she's poured all herself into this relationship or into fame and it's empty and there's still something more. So I see her, her grasping for something more and that totally, uh, that speaks to me. My only one, my kingdom come undone, my broken drum, you have beaten my heart. Um, that idea that we pour our, ourselves into this God, whatever it is, this relationship, this habit, this person, this career, this approval, and my kingdom's come undone. It's like, uh, you know, Matthew 7, the, 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 the man who builds his house on stone. If you listen to my words, you're like the man who built his house on stone. Mm-hmm. And when the waves come and the, the winds come, it blew and buffeted the house, but the foundation was secure. But those who are unwise and listen to my words and do not act on them are like a foolish man who built his, hand, his house on sand. And when the waves and the, the rocks and the winds come, it was completely ruined because we've built our house and our foundation on something that's not solid. And that's, I mean, she's even standing on a cliff yelling to the waves here. It's like, it's, it, it, yeah, that speaks to me here. I I think it's so important. Um, you know, when we look at those kinds of things, those experiences that we say, this is what I thought would fulfill me this Mm. career, for example, you know, I put my years into becoming a doctor or physical therapist or whatever Mm. you, you name it. And I realized kind of like that was a mirage, right? That, yeah. that was what I had put my, my kingdom in. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, and, it, and it's not what I thought it would be. Yeah. And I think all of us have those experiences, whether they're big or small in our lives. And, and I think with the wisdom of, of time that, that one could say that you can be grateful for those things mm-hmm. so that you realize and maybe catch yourself when you start to put your hopes into something that's not God, or you, you know, you have these expectations about a relationship or these expectations about the people around you. Mm -hmm. Um, and you get knocked flat on your face. Yeah. There's a, it makes me think of the, there's a CS Lewis quote when he's talking about the devil and what the devil wants. I think it's from screw tape letters. And he Mm -hmm. says the, what the devil wants to do is make it so that you don't enjoy the good things of this world, but you can't stop yourself. You just, you, you can't, you, you can't enjoy them anymore because you've become a slave to them, but you can't, you can't stop yourself. So that's why he tries to get us addicted to these things because he doesn't want you to enjoy them. Um, whereas God really wants you to enjoy them in, in, in the right way. And, uh, yeah, but so many of these things lead to brokenness if we if we give ourselves over to them. Um, I want to talk about this. I, you mentioned before um, the wisdom that comes with age and how you feel like Taylor has a bit more wisdom now and a bit more knowledge now. And that's a theme that comes out here about the knowledge that comes with age, but also a certain knowledge that you have with, with, with youth. So in Cardigan, she says, um, when you're a young, you, they assume you know nothing. Um, but I knew everything when I was young. I knew I'd love you for the longest time. I knew I'd miss you. And there's like this, there's this certain thing that knowledge that's also lost with youth. And, and the same theme shows up in Betty. Um, I'm only 17. I don't know anything, but I know I miss you. And there's this idea that, yes, of course you get older and you learn things and there was an ignorance with youth, but there's also a certain knowledge that's lost. 
And I, I think it, it makes me think of Jesus in the, in the children and saying to enter the kingdom of God, you must become like a little child. And just, I'm wondering if you have thoughts about that. Like, what does that look like to be childlike? But at the same time, you don't want to, like, obviously it's good to grow up. You don't want to be like childish. So. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think for me, the best thing is the fact that you can um, have uh, experiences with these different age groups so that you can see the giftedness of mm. it. I think probably as a father, you, you see this better than most of, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, when your child learns something, when their eyes light up, yeah. when they realize as a baby that I can move my hand and I can grab this thing yeah. and put it in my mouth to figure out what it is. Like, yeah, and that's part, are, that, that's parts of life that we don't remember. So it's like, we, don't know those we get to experience that. For we, that's our kids teaching us about the world. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I have a giftedness of, I have older sisters that I live with who mm -hmm. have, you know, the wisdom of 80 years of 85 <sighs> years and, you know, they've seen everything and they can say, you know, like I'm loving life because I'm going to meet the Lord and mm. myself. My gosh, what a gift. Do I think about it, how I'm going to meet the Lord someday. Like, I don't think about that enough. Oh um, that that makes so, me like want to tear up. <laughs> That's so beautiful. I mean, and and so there is wisdom at each at each the idealism of youth, the passion of youth, the um, willingness to to step out in faith and to make a big change. Like most of us old people, I mean, <laughs> I, I consider a high school speak up and think I'm yeah. ancient, you know, but we we don't. Uh, maybe we can't take those risks yeah. anymore. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But you know, and you can't throw yourself into a relationship like you would when you were when you were young and had the freedom like that. Yeah. And so there, there's a giftedness at each level, and I think it's a mistake on our part and in this, on society's part to be a culture of youth, for example, and yeah. only mm -hmm. like you can't get older. You don't want to have wrinkles or mm -hmm. definitely color your hair like. Yeah. We're missing out on, on the wisdom of age and the grace of age. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, as someone who lives down uh, among a culture that is extremely inter intergenerational and has a high respect for elders, you know, I see that even more now of people who live with three and four generations in one house. Mm -hmm. There's something about that that maybe a lot of us have lost. Yeah. And I think you're right. So when you, you see through the eyes of a child, you can say like, yes, uh, you know, my child jumps into my arms when they're learning to walk. Oh yeah. And we've got to do that. with. <laughs> yeah. I think of that all the, when I go to adoration now, like, and I, I think of it as, you know, my kids are crazy and they're running around all over the place, but every once in a while they get tired and they just want me to hold them. And like, I treasure those moments. And I feel like that is God. When we go to adoration, he's like, finally, you're coming to the cuddle. Come here. You know, <laughs> let me hold you for a little bit and just hold you and look at you. You finally stopped moving enough for me to just let me love you. Um, so yeah, totally agree. Um, we're, we're, we don't have a whole lot of time left. So are there any other spiritual themes that, that spoke to you want, you want to make sure we talk about before we're done? Um, no, just general, I would say, you know, a lot of people might say, okay, you can't like good Catholics or good Christians, like you can't be listening to all that stuff about sex and relationships and, 
you know, heartbreak and mm-hmm. it, it has an F word in it. And, yep. and therefore, you know, you can't, you can't be listening to that. But I think, you know, when we look at something with a faith perspective, that's our lens yeah. and we use it to the degree that it helps us understand our relationship with God. Yeah. And so, you know, like I look at an album like this and I, and I take those themes and I, and I come to, to prayer and, and say, gosh, Lord, I, I feel like I've struggled and this is where the way things were before, but now I don't get it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm here in this place, you know, there, there's those different, maybe it's a lyric, maybe it's a feel of a song, maybe it's the theme of redemption or regret, whatever those things might be. Um, Those are things that, that are human experiences that God intends to use. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Love it. Love it. Um, if you, if somebody asked you, Hey, give me three songs from this album that I need to listen to. What would you say? Three or three or four. What are your favorites? Um, I go back to, this is me trying. Mm-hmm. Um, I go back to exile. Cause I think that's a really interesting song. Yeah. Um, we didn't talk too much about epiphany, but oh, that one's I really interesting. It's, it's one where she kind of tells the story of, of a soldier and mm-hmm. of a person who's in the hospital. I think there's a lot of empathy themes mm-hmm. in there. Um, I really liked August. Yeah. Um, I feel like August another- is chapter one and listed affairs is chapter two. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, everything's bright. Oh my gosh. It was all a lie. You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Those are, those are the best. Those are the best. And, um, I think I, I'm going to listen to mirror ball another time after yeah. your, your yeah. plug listen, of that. Listen to linger by the cranberries and then go listen okay. to mirror ball. It's, and you'll be like, this is what they were listening to when they recorded this song. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, so for me, mirror ball is my favorite. Um, I love peace. I love Betty. Um, definitely some F-bombs in Betty. Um, but it's it's like the perfect marriage of old Taylor and new Taylor. And it's like she's mm-hmm. speaking from a boy's perspective, which is kind of interesting. Um, if, if you're interested in more in the music at this album, there's a, a great podcast run by Vox called Switched on Pop. And their, their, their episode on this album is just really cool. So listen to that if you're interested in more. I also love The Last Great American Dynasty uh, about the, oh, yeah. the story of this woman, um, this rich woman from like the, the 1940s and 50s. And then there's a really cool twist at the end. I won't give it away, but listen to last great American dynasty. It's like great, great songwriting, great storytelling. Um, so cool. If you haven't listened to this album, uh, it's good. Yeah. Listen please to it. Do. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's worth a second look for people who are like, eh, it's kind of, it's gray, yeah. you know, cause mm-hmm. it's kind of mellow and chill. Yeah. But it's, it is. it's worth a second look to, to those deeper meanings and themes. I think so too. Um, can we, uh, you, I, I normally ask my guests if there's a, a prayer that they think they could, they could either say or, or bring that hits on this. And, uh, you, you said you brought a prayer that you think yes. hits on some of these themes. So we'll, we'll end with prayer. Yeah. Uh, this is a prayer by Thomas Merton. It's one of my favorites and it's, it's really that, that human experience of, not knowing where to go and, and how to, to bring God into the picture. So here we go. Our Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Oh Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. 
but I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope that I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope I will never do anything apart from that desire to please you. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to make my journey alone. Amen. Amen. Your son, Holy Spirit. Awesome. Well, Sister Liz, thank you so much. Is there, um, tell it, tell it, where can people find your podcast? Oh, okay. So, uh, Apple podcasts, you can look up and search in the company of charity, mm. in the company of charity podcast. Um, we cover a lot of different topics and, uh, it's my, my sister friend, sister Elizabeth and I just hanging out and interviewing some really cool people. So awesome. we hope you listen to that. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I've listened to it a few times. It's, it's, you guys got a cool, a cool dynamic going on between the two of you. Awesome. Very cool. Um, do you want to tell is social media or websites, anything you want to give us? Sure. Uh, on, um, Instagram, I am S R Liz DC for the daughters of charity. So S R Liz DC and then, um, daughters of charity vocations us is, you know, where you can find the Daughters of Charity on Facebook and Instagram. Awesome. Thank you, sister, for being here. Thank you so much for your work with the poor and, and the migrant community. That is, is, is beautiful. It's good to talk to you. I am Mike Tenney. I am the host of Pop Culture Catechism here at Awaken Catholic. You can go and find more at awakencatholic.org. You can find me at MikeTenneyMusic.com. I'm online at uh, PKMikeyT on Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow Awaken Catholic on Instagram as well. You can become part of the Awaken Nation and support shows like this and make them happen uh, by donating at awakencatholic.org. Every little bit helps. And you can also support us by uh, going and downloading the Halo app through our site. You get a free month of premium. It's a great uh, prayer uh, app. And my wife uses it every night. It's it's um, been a huge help for her, for her prayer life and I'm using it now too. So I highly recommend it. Thank you for tuning into Pop Culture Catechism and we will see you next time. God bless you. This show and all media on Awaken Catholic is made possible by the Awaken Nation and the Hollow app. The Awaken Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hollow.app slash awaken.